Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Crops. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is a great day to be alive in America and in, well, on Earth, I think. It's um, going to be an interesting one, to be sure, for a whole lot of reasons. Now want to say thank you to those of you who uh, were at the um, political coffee clutch last night. Thank you for showing up. We had uh, well over 30 uh, some odd people uh, that were there. And so it is an exciting thing um, to have, well, first of all, for me to meet those of you in the audience. Thank you all. I'm um, honored to have you in the audience and to have you show up last night. It was uh, it was an interesting time because we had the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the the protocols that you can use to keep yourself from getting COVID. But from also how to deal with it if if you get some of the COVID-like viruses that they're claiming, like this RSV thing, there's a way that you can deal with that. All of that was uh, was presented by uh, a lady by the name of Army who works very closely with Gary. Gary, who calls in, was there last night also. We appreciated the opportunity uh, to to have done that. And I think for me personally, it is, you know, the goal of this radio show is so that I can just help you change your world because of how we talk about political things and how they affect our life every day from a very common sense perspective. Well, it's also my goal when I learn about how you do certain things uh, in your in your your discourse with other people and and the stories that some of you tell me about having those conversations, persuasive conversations with persuadable people. And it is a very important thing to me, and it's just very self-satisfying that, what we're doing is bearing some fruit, and it is, in in many different ways. It's also satisfying for me to meet many of you in this audience who do come to the the political coffee clatch. Now we do it at the Honky Tonk Bar and Grill there, next to the Salem Airport on McGillcrest. Diana and, and her team are uh, just just great to work with we appreciate the opportunity to hang out with them for a couple of hours and again hopefully it is making a difference in many different ways 
Last night, I think to learn more about how you can fix what's going on in your body. And actually several people that were there last night were, are, are people who uh, have received the vaccines and the boosters and are having side effects. So to the extent that we can, through this radio show, help you deal with that, that, that to me is a, uh, is a very, very good thing. And it's a very satisfying thing for me personally. It's also a very satisfying thing for me, for those of you who uh, are and have contacted me. about corruption that you know about in your government entity that you might work for if you're a government employee. We will look into each and every one of those instances because it matters. It matters not only corruption or deceit or illegal activities outside of just flat corruption or just bad ideas, bad ideas that don't come to any good end. So if you're a government employee and you are finding things that really are just very problematic and you think it violates your policies or just common sense. And you want to expose it, let me know. You don't have to call here, but you can certainly email and you can certainly tell us what's going on. I will always keep your identity secret. And I will try very hard to make sure that nobody learns that you have, have come forward with something. And there are ways to do that. And, but I, I just want you to, to go ahead and, and feel like you can safely and honorably contact me and let me know about what's going on in your agency. It doesn't have to be state agency. It can be any governmental organization that is not doing what's right could be a school district, could be a fire district, could be law enforcement, or it could be just many of the other many, many alphabet agencies out there that we have at all these levels that deal with things. Things like what? Well, like homelessness. There's a story from yesterday. It's a coin six story. Lawmakers, as you know, the legislature's in session, proposing $200 million for homeless and for housing. Now, we're going to get into that here in a second because that's... The problem is we are spending hundreds of millions of dollars already at every level. Not just the state, folks. What I've just told you is just a package, 200 million by the 
House Committee on Housing and Homelessness. This does not include all of the other money that's being spent by all these other agencies, all these other cities. This is just one bill. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, here's the problem. There's very little, if any, real accountability in how this money is going to get spent. The governor wants 36 new um, housing units. Now, that's that's a far cry and very different from uh, a home. These are housing units. Okay. The ability to do that in Oregon does not exist today. What? We can't build 36,000? Yeah, no, we can't. Because in our history, we don't. In the original story about this some uh, weeks ago, it was brought up in the story that Oregon's history of building homes is we've only ever hit even 30,000 homes in a year, one time. Now, how they think that they can throw money at this problem without fixing other problems and that they're going to do anything is a fantasy. There is no way that you can, without reforming the permitting process and the land use process, this is not going to happen. It's not possible. I'm blessed to live in a county, Lynn County, where the permitting processes for things like I did yesterday went into county building and planning because uh, I'm, I'm going to build a home. And to get the paperwork and all of that, we are so much more blessed to do this than all of the other counties really around us. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Now, Marion County is not too bad. But when you get to, you hear the horror stories of Multnomah County, you hear the horror stories of even Benton County, Lane County. Man, I go to church with is a recently elected Lane County commissioner. This is, I mean, they face many problems down in Eugene, in, in Lane County, and dealing with things, but the the building department has been their biggest issue so far. And there is an attitude there that they really don't want to build anything. Well, that's not how it is in Lynn County. But when you have that kind of an attitude in places like Multnomah County, places like Lane County, how can you expect to build enough homes or even, quote, unquote, housing units? You're going to have to change a bunch of land use laws. Nothing in this proposal does that. Not a thing. But what they do want to do is throw $200 million of your money 
at a problem and then never deal with the underlying cause. The underlying cause is what we know is happening. It's drug addiction, folks, because of Measure 110. Oh, and by the way, if you want to talk about, there's a piece by Representative Lily Morgan in the Northwest Observer about Measure 110. We have spent and disseminated something like $274 million. Under Measure 110, there is very little, it's 264, there's very little structure, she writes, in how that money was spent, nor can there be data connected to the results. The House Revenue Committee is looking for all kinds of money but they're they're talking about cutting 60 million these are democrats folks all of this is there's a result of elections so when we talk about these issues i want you to think about them in a manner that allows you to talk to other people about them, communicate with other people, to testify, to write social media posts. We're going to spend $200 million on homelessness, housing and homelessness, but never spend any money to get to the root problem. Why people are homeless? Insanity. Back in the moment. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. It's 22 minutes past the top of the hour. Great to have you with us on Political Coffee. So I'm going somewhere with all of this, and I'll let you know, let you in on the secret. The bottom of this hour, I have an interview with a small town mayor who is dealing with a lot of things. And homelessness just isn't, drug addiction just isn't a thing for the big cities. It's everywhere. Adam Craven is the mayor of Brownsville, which is a little town. It's Oregon's third oldest city, by the way. Astoria, Oregon City, and Brownsville, a small town that I grew up next to. He's going to join us because elections matter, folks. And it's, uh, I think it's an inspiring story of the guy who decided to get involved in politics. Now, another one of my church-going friends just texted me about our mutual friend, David Lovell, who just got elected as a Lane County Commissioner. And that they are, in fact, working to change permitting processes. And OPB came out with a story that 
Oregon lawmakers are considering ways to make it easier to convert office space into homes. Now, why would you do that? Well, because you need more, quote unquote, housing units. But who do you need them for? Ah, now we've hit on the crux of the issue. Do you need them for the Measure 110 drug addicts that come to Oregon for drug, you know, recreational drug use, heroin, meth, small amounts, don't have to worry about going to jail. You don't have to do anything. If you get caught, you get a $100 fine, which you never pay. Or you can go into treatment, which people rarely do. or at least at the levels we were told they were going to. So who's all these housing units for? Well, I'm just saying, we have an open southern border with at least 5 million people that have come across that border In the last two years, Joe Biden's been president. At least. That doesn't include the gotaways. We have people coming across the northern border. Pictures of that. Where are all these people going to live? With government subsidized housing? Because you know that's what's going on, don't you? So Tina Kotek is going to give the homeless people who are addicts free housing, food stamps, welfare cash payments, free food, meals, tents. In fact, Freddie sent me a text message a little while ago saying, yeah, it's They're building tent cities. Tarps, all their basic needs, plus legislature is considering $1,000 cash every month for two years to support their drug addictions. That happens to be Senate Bill 603, folks. And this piece written by Lily well, that not written by Lily Morgan. It's a Northwest Observer piece. Makes the interesting observation. Maybe Governor Tina is counting on fentanyl to wipe these people out of their misery to reduce homeless. Hmm. Lily Morgan and Representative E. Werner Reschke, both Republicans from the southern part of the state, thinks that the homeless are human beings that deserve to be saved from themselves and have sponsored House Bill 3549. That bill restores criminal penalties for possession of controlled substance offenses to levels prior. To measure 110. Takes a tiered approach. Returns accountability. Now, let's just leave all of that for the moment. 
And let's think about the mayor of Coronado, California, who's made the rounds recently. We talked just briefly about it. Coronado, California, you know, is down off of San Diego, Coronado Islands, where the Navy SEALs train. They don't have a homeless problem anymore. You know why? They got tough. They said, you either get help or you get out. They offer services to people who need help and they get them off the street. And people who are like our measure 110 addicts that flood into Oregon from other states because you can come here and get high and get all kinds of free stuff and check out of society. Those people, they deport off the island of Coronado, out of the city of Coronado. They become San Diego's problem or some other liberal place's problems. They got tough. And that story actually is repeated around the country where people say no more homelessness. We're going to clean it up. And you people who are homeless, we're going to figure out why. So elections matter and how we deal with things, whether it is local people running for office like Adam Craven, Mayor Brownsville, we're going to talk with in just a few minutes. My buddy Mike Winkleplek, goes to church with me also, is also a Brownsville City Councilor. David Lovell just got elected to Lane County Commission. They all get to deal with these bad ideas. Elections matter. Back in a moment, six. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Twenty-three minutes before the top now. Great to have you back with us here on Political Coffee. Um, before we go to Mayor Adam Craven of Brownsville, I want to remind you it you know it has been a little cold out there lately, and it's not going to change. Apparently, we may have some more snow rain mix coming. Well, if your heating system is not keeping up, do yourself a favor call Freedom Heating and Air. They'll get out to your place right away. Their emergency services is one of the many things that they have done so well to build a great business that's been here in the Mid-Valley for 50 years. Freedom Heating and Air. Just give them a call. They'll come out to your place right away. Assess the problem. Get it fixed for you. 503-580-1456. 580-1456. Check out their website at freedomheatingandair.net. FreedomHeatingAndAir.net. Kevin Starrett of the Oregon Firearms Federation, by the way, thanks, John McDonald, is uh, is going to stop by and chat with us Thursday morning in the war room at the Ike Box Coffee House across the street from the Capitol in Salem. We'll be there from eight till three. This is where we teach citizens how to be more effective at talking to their elected officials or testifying. He'll update us on the latest on the Measure 114 lawsuits uh, that are out there. He's going to be there 
uh, for about a half hour from 10.15 to 10.45. Kevin Starr, Director, Oregon Firearms Federation, 10.15 to 10.45. Joining us right now is uh, Mayor Adam Craven of Brownsville, Oregon. That's kind of one of my hometowns. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for the opportunity to join you. So you uh, were just elected mayor of of Brownsville, along with some other uh, great conservatives, and things are kind of going a little bit of a different direction, which is a, is a good thing, in my humble opinion. So let me ask you this question. Why did you – you've been on the city council for a bit. Why did you run for city council, and why did you run for mayor? Well, I guess I don't, I don't know that I can point to one thing that moved me to want to serve. Um, but I, I was a fairly new father at the time and, and I wondered what kind of a world I was, I was bringing my children into, uh, our country seemingly moving towards a, a disgusting and demonic society full of impurities. And, and it seemed it was supported by those in power. Um, this was a major reservation of mine and having children in the first place. But, but I look, I looked around my community at the time and I saw people suffering due to the authoritarian rule of, of Kate Brown in the state of Oregon. And, you know, I never, never really pictured myself as a public servant because I was just a, a blue collar, you know, average, average guy, you know, pipe fitter. Um, but I think more and more people seek to be represented by those that, that they can relate to. Um, but ultimately I, I had a conversation with my wife about fleeing, fleeing the state, you know, our home where our seat has been sown. And ultimately the, the decision was to, you know, dig in my heels, get involved and, and try to engage in the fight and, and help force change for, for my community and, and my family. So that's why you ran for office, uh, to begin with. And you ran with some other people. Uh, kind of in a slate, if I remember, of of a whole group right. of you running, and and most, if not all, of you got elected. And Brownsville's not exactly a conservative town, is it? Well, yeah, it's uh, you know I, I I think the 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 core of Brownsville is is conservative, and um, you know the the voters of Brownsville are you know the ones that uh, took over this council. And I align with Brownsville's core, which I feel is fairly conservative. Um, two of the three candidates were were local boys born and raised here in Brownsville, and and the third very constitutionally minded uh, man of the Lord. Um, the city the city has been run by the left and middle of the left people for a very long time, and I think I think we resonated with the voters because we reflect their values. Um, and it, it was su- suggested that we run as a slate, and we made signs to display that you know we were we were unapologetically conservative, um, and it worked out real well as as each each candidate on our slate signs was you know elected by a overwhelming margin, um, and it, it was a great feeling to to hear Brownsville's voice ring out loud and clear. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. The liberal mindset was what really guided Brownsville for a long time. And that's not unusual to have a lot of little rural towns around Oregon that because people don't get involved. Right. Um, that the other side does. 
and their principles and their values, they put in place every day in their interactions with you and, and the policies they put in place. In fact, I'm looking at an email from William Nix that says, how do we go about making Oregon red? Well, we do what you're doing. Decide to stand and fight, not leave Oregon. So what are the issues? I mean, what was it mostly uh, for all of you to get elected in this election cycle? Was it mostly the reaction to COVID? What, what do you think it was that really got people to vote for you guys? Well, yeah, I, you know, I believe so. And that was part of our strategy with, with running the slate sign is, um, you know, I, I made a, I did a lot of good things on council and I think people loved and appreciated me for pushing back against Salem um, when I was on council and, you know, pushing back, back against the overbearing politicians that have, you know, seeped into every facet of our daily lives. Um, I, I gave a voice to a majority of the citizens in town during the pandemic, which, you know, it was huge for the city and, and as me as a, and to me as a result, I guess my, my campaign centered around advocacy for Brownsville and, and focusing on, you know, providing and protecting our future generations. But, um, I, you know, I, I think a lot of that pushback is, is what helped me. And by running a slate sign, you know, that, People may not have known the others, but as long as they align with me or, you know, vice versa, if somebody aligns with them, you know, I, I just think it was a great strategy to, you know, run as a conservative ticket. And, uh, I mean, that strategy is, is definitely panned out for us. So it, it is a good strategy and it usually works. The Democrats have perfected it and Republicans right. rarely use it. But when they do, they win with it. Um, and, and not and at all levels, they, they win with it. So in the time that that I mean, you guys have really just gotten organized and you're starting to make decisions as a new council with you as 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 a new mayor. What what have you been able to accomplish so far and what do you want to do? Well, I think uh, I think it goes back to my time on council. Um serving as a counselor, uh, I, I've been able to make a difference as a leader. The one thing I saw when I first got elected as a counselor is this body of people severely lacked leadership. I was successful in, in shoring up the backbone of a few members with great values by having the courage to, you know, to stand up and speak out. Um, I've been a facil facilitator and I bring a lot of knowledge that helps support city staff. I ex explain city projects and policies without them fearing promises are being made or wrong information being spread. Um, but as far as this council, um, we have a very cohesive group that is that is very focused on advocating for our city's position, which is rural Oregon. Um, we're working on a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we're working on a, an advocacy piece that we're looking at, you know, rolling out here in the coming months. Um, one of those is forming a coalition between rural Oregon cities. Uh, we've got a, a few local cities on board, and we've also formed a, a policy writing committee uh, within the city that is going to kind of act as a watchdog for um, the legislative session. Um, but it, it's been a very humbling experience and one that has grown me as a human being, you know, as a father 
And I can't say enough about the support I have received from from city staff, uh, my community, and and my family. Um, I think that's that's fantastic, Adam. I mean, that's that's the essence of why you serve and why it has to be satisfying uh, for you. You're going to face many challenges. I like the idea that you're joining with other smaller cities um, to form a coalition to sort of push back because most of the cities are run by the League of Oregon Cities, which is which are really the big cities, and they're pretty we're all always and seem to still be today pretty liberal bunch. We got about a minute left. What What's the message you want to leave with our audience today? Well, I would, I would like to, you know, reach everybody and, and get people to realize that, uh, that it doesn't take a polished politician to be a leader. Um, I, I would implore everyone to, to get involved in, in one way or another, whether it be directly as as an elected official running for office, or you know, just shoring up those people that are there, because um, we as conservatives, we we have a tendency to kind of get back into this comfort zone if our rights aren't under direct attack, and that is the wrong approach. We need to get involved, and we need to stay engaged in the fight. Adam, thank you so much. Godspeed up the great work you and all of your patriot friends that count be blessed will do god bless go and visit brownsville by the way it's a great place to go hang out over the weekend 648 call jeff now at 503-589-1220 That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Ten minutes till the top of the hour, 503-589-1220. Emails to jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. Rebecca Donaldson is a real estate broker that you can trust to do a great job for you, and that benefits you in a lot of ways. She won Best of the Willamette Valley because, you know, she's on top of her game, folks. And as you know, the real estate market and mortgage rates and all of that, just it changes second by second. And you really take somebody who's sharp to stay on top of it. Well, that's Rebecca. So if you're thinking about buying or selling a home, give her a call. 503-269-0747, 269-0747, or check out her website, rebeccasgothouses.com, rebeccasgothouses.com. I got an email from Rich, said, enforcing the laws. Now there's an idea. With the city of Coronado using the existing laws, what a novel idea, and then no homeless. Just think all the money saved, lower taxes, more spending by the people due to less taxes. So I wonder where all this money for the homeless is really going, into which corrupt politician and their buddies' pockets. It's a fair question. There is this thing called the homeless industrial complex, and it's going to get bigger with this story we talked about, the $200 million the legislature is going to throw at homelessness for Tina Kotek. And that's on top of the hundreds of millions already being spent, folks. This is why we did the interview with Adam Craven in Brownsville. You want to change this stuff? 
you make it a point to start running for office. Run with a slate of people. Run with a slate on the conservative issues that you know people in these small towns care about. What's important to them? You run on that. You get elected. And then what you do is you push back on Salem. You push back on the advocacy groups that are supposed to represent you for which you pay a lot of money. League of Oregon Cities. Which basically... Basically forces small towns to put up with the nonsense and the crazy left ideas from the big cities because of who's in charge. You want to push back on what's happening in Washington, D.C.? The stories, and, and Gary, hang on, I'll get to you in a second here. All the, the Tucker Carlson tapes that got released last night showing how much the January 6th committee lied to us. The FBI targeting innocent rally goers just because they were in D.C. The Capitol Police giving the guided tour to the QAnon shaman, the idiot guy with the buffalo head and the flag. It was all a lie. You push back on that one city council at a time, one school board at a time. And you do it by running as a slate and getting elected. It's how Kim Thatcher, Kevin Mannix, and Tracy Kramer all got elected running as a slate in Democrat districts. Adam and how they are pushing back on everyday issues that Salem is throwing at them. There's this story that Oregon's lifting its mask requirement for medical sa settings. Well, Adam pushed back against all of that Kate Brown mask tyranny nonsense as a council member. And he helped others on the council have a backbone because he stood up. That's how we fix Oregon. Julie writes an email about homeless. The so-called homeless have created problems for many homed citizens. In my town area, the person who might want to walk a dog or take a walk through the woods cannot, unless you have Mr. Smith and Wesson with you. The vicious people, and some are vicious, have made these areas unsafe for people. The law will move them, but they'll return to their homestead. They steal from home gardens and fruit trees. In the good old days, these people were arrested or run out of town. They are affecting law-abiding citizens monetarily and disallowing free access to public property belonging to all of us. The state is aiding and abetting these problems with ideas of giving them money, tents, and other government subsidies. The only subsidy we don't give is a few nights in the drunk tank. Used to be how they did that. Go to Gary, who's on the line. Gary, good morning. Go Beavs. Dax, Jeff. Uh, that was an amazing night last night. Isn't Army amazing? She is, yeah. And I'm continuing to get emails this morning from people who want to hear more about the protocols of how you don't get all of these coronavirus things that are coming down the pike at us and how you recover from the shot. So keep it up. Yeah. Um, I think what we're going to do Tuesday at the uh, Black Bear Diner is do a question and answer 
because uh, there we ran out of time. Even though you gave us uh, um, over an hour, uh, we were there for another forty-five minutes um, uh, answering questions uh, because people. This this is so important because knowledge is power, especially with something that they've been trying to hide from us for three years. I mean, I've listened to this speech for three years, and I still couldn't keep up uh, because she's such a wealth of knowledge. And that's the only thing that we can defeat this thing with is knowledge. And, Jeff, I tell you, the stories afterwards, uh, I'll have to tell you one uh, when I get permission to talk about it. It is... <sighs> heart-wrenching what, yeah, this, uh, what this woman I, is going I, through i i've got a story to tell from a person and i'm, and I'm not going to get to it today folks i'll get to it tomorrow a lady who was there yes uh and and who got the shot as did her family yes and the, yes. the complications and things i i want to share that with you folks and she's yeah. okay with it um but anyway um Gary, thanks for making the the trip down. I really appreciate you guys coming down and and um, helping to share the educational side of this thing and keep it well up, because they, they they want us to be blind and they want us to say it's science you don't understand, but you, once you do understand, uh, it's all coming true. And now we have 2020 hindsight, and we're getting more and more evidence of what this lie was all about. And it's it's not the only lie; they're all tied together. They're the, all the same lie, and people are starting to wake up. And we got to get the the message out. And it was amazing afterwards. People want to have us at other places to tell this story again and again and again. Anyway, uh, we will, and uh, we will defeat them. Go Ducks. All right. Quickly, let's go to Art. Art, got to go. Hey, Art, go fast. I just wanted to mention uh, that this housing situation, I believe, is that Democrats have an agenda. They want to get rid of single-family housing and put people in little boxes. Uh, And I think part of it has to do with this climate change BS and the way uh, that they want to control all of our lives, Jeff. And so I listened to a hearing, it was either, well, I think it was two years ago, what they were trying to do down there in Eugene about building all these small dang boxes for people to live in. Let's talk about that. That's their agenda. That's a great idea. See you tomorrow.